Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish, sponsored by our friends at Paychex. Today, we are going to be talking about some really current issues and trends facing HR leaders, about return to work, diversity, inclusion, mental health, and more. We've got a great guest waiting in the wings. But Trish, before we welcome her, I have a question for you. Soup or salad? Soup or salad? I will say typically salad. Although last night I had that choice and I chose soup. So I don't know. What about you? A salad for me is like more refreshing, I think. Feels healthier. I every, don't know. Salad every time. That's it. Over. A salad every time. Okay. Yeah. I don't want olives involved in the salad. So mm-hmm. as long as there's no olives, then salad it is. All right. We'll ask our guests. I, I, <laughs> I knew the question would be a simple one. Not non-controversial. I'm staying away from controversy, Trish, uh, with the question of the day today. Uh, We are super excited to welcome our special guest, Jenny Dearborn. She's the chief people officer at Clavio. Previously, she was chief talent officer and EVP of human resources at SAP, who we know very well, Trish, where she was responsible Mm -hmm. for the training strategy and education programs for 95,000 employees worldwide. She came to SAP through its acquisition of Success Factors, another company we know well, where she was VP of sales. She's a mother of four, obsessed with military history. That's pretty cool. We might have some Civil War questions coming up, Jenny. And she wrote a book called Data Driven about using data analytics to improve performance. And one of her favorite quotes is from Madeleine Albright. There's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. You know what? I like the part about helping women because as, as he's reading this, I'm thinking like, I really want to use your bio as my new bio. Yeah. Well, awesome. Welcome to the show, Jenny. How are you? Do you want to weigh in on Super Salad before we ask you uh, about what you're doing? Uh, salad every time, unless yeah. it is roasted, uh, red pepper, tomato. Mm, oh, yeah. That's that fair. Good too. That hundred percent of the time when I see that on the menu, I switch over to soup. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Jenny, it's awesome for us to have a, uh, an HR leader on the show, uh, such as yourself. I, it's, it's great to see you. Great to talk to you. First off, before we get into some of the topics, we want to talk about some of the challenges facing, uh, HR leaders today, and even maybe even your own organization, maybe you could give us like 60, 90 seconds on Clavio. Tell us what Clavio is, what's it all about, maybe uh, some of the, the, the footprint of Clavio. Of yeah, for sure. So um, Clavio uh, is a uh, database company. Our first application on that database is email marketing. Um, we were founded in 2012. We have just under a thousand employees. Uh, we are, uh, we've had our series D and we are on the road to IPO um, and doubling year after year over year. Uh, we are based in Boston, Mass, but have a global footprint. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Boston's a great, great town. It's a good, uh, interesting kind of market to be in, right? Because organizations of all kinds are trying to find ways to meet their customers, engage with their customers, right? And I guess that's what you guys do, right? Help organizations kind of connect with their, with their own customers. Absolutely. So we are um, a one-to-many communication platform at scale. And so we allow... Um, we allow entrepreneurs to connect with their customers uh, in a highly personalized way. So Jenny, let's talk about some of uh, what's been happening, you know, as an HR leader, God, I can't think of the last year and a half or so, right? Has it ever been more difficult, challenging uh, for HR leaders like yourself? Uh, Maybe tell us a little bit how how the things have been going at Klaviyo and some of the big challenges you guys have seen and how you're managing to kind of navigate through everything that's been going on and continues to go on? Yeah, I think the short answer is it's never been harder. Probably the most um, significant issues for us as HR leaders is 
uh, growth and scale in times like this, uh, managing workplace mental health, uh, managing the, a distributed workforce, uh, especially those companies that had a strong face-to-face or in-office presence. Um, going to a distributed or remote or hybrid model has been very challenging uh, for lots of my peers at, at other companies. But I, I'd say probably the most consistent across all companies has been workplace mental health. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that, Jenny, because we've been doing a series of shows over about the last almost two years on just different ways to think about mental health in the workplace, to have people feel more comfortable to disclose if they're having issues. Um, I'd just love to hear your perspective. I mean, you've obviously worked in the HR tech arena as well um, as your current role. Could you maybe just talk a little bit about over the years that you've been involved, you know, working with both large organizations and smaller ones, are you seeing a shift in people's willingness to maybe disclose that they need a little help and assistance, or is that still kind of a stigmatized conversation? What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I'm absolutely seeing a shift towards employees feeling comfortable um, talking about that, raising their hand, um, and employers um, needing to adjust and accommodate. So I would absolutely encourage everyone to uh, speak up, raise your hand, say that you need help, push the organization that you work for to say, we need more time off, we need more PTO, we need more services, uh, we need more HR business partner support for, um, you know, sort of being a, a sounding board and, and uh, being somebody that you can go to and talk to. Uh, employees should be pushing their employers for uh, more support and more services. And uh, employers need to know that that's what uh, the best talent out there is looking for. Um, the best talent expects a high-touch, uh, high-service environment when it comes to being sensitive to workplace mental health issues. And, you know, it's a, uh, it's a candidate's market out there right now. Uh, uh, you know, it is hard to find top talent. We are absolutely in a war for talent. And every candidate um, should know that they need to be asking about this in their interview process, right? I mean, I've, I talk to candidates all day long for all of the openings that, that we have and really savvy candidates will say to me in the first interview, mm -hmm. you know, tell me about your workplace mental health initiatives. Tell really? me about your wow. initiatives. They, people don't ask me about comp, right? Cause they, they just, they, they assume that that's going to be good. And they're sure. looking for what are those differentiators, right? What really sets apart a, one company from another company? If everybody has a level playing field with the same comp, what really sets your company apart? And it's, tell me about your commitment to corporate social responsibility. Tell me about your commitment to diversity and how are you holding yourself accountable uh, to achieve your diversity goals? And tell me about your workplace mental health. Those are the three things I hear the most of from candidates asking us questions as an, as an employer. Like think about 15, 20 years ago, a candidate wouldn't ask those questions, right? Oh, no. Absolutely. No, they would candidates not. do now, which I think is awesome. So candidates are so empowered to mm. speak their truth and say what they need and demand more from their employers. And they know that it's a candidate's market. And I think it's awesome. 
are you doing anything to train your leaders who are also interviewing? Because that's, you're right. I mean, I, I was in HR for almost 20 years and I can't recall anyone ever asking that. Right. And, but I, and I've been out for about seven years. So for perspective, um, are you training and specifically telling people to have that conversation about what you offer? Is that a thing or do you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are now, I mean, I, I, we, we track internally, um, you know, what are the most frequent candidate questions? So we keep a running list that is always being sort of reprioritized of the top 10 most frequent candidate questions that are given to um, interviewers uh, whether great. it's a hiring manager or anybody on the interview team or coming into um, talent, you know, the talent acquisition team, the recruiters. And sure. so the recruiting team keeps track of this and they, they keep track of those top 10. And we are always going back out to um, managers. So, or anybody who is an interviewer, they're required to be certified, right? You can't talk to a candidate until you've gone through uh, interviewer certification um, and you have to keep that fresh, right? And so part of that is knowing how to answer the top 10 most frequently asked questions. And it's DEI, workplace mental health, you know, it's these things. Jenny, have you adapted or, or, or added to your sort of outbound, maybe content on the website, the way the messaging you're doing out to the, the community about, you know, Clavio's kind of EVP, if you will, like to, to emphasize some of those things? Have you had to make some, have, have, you, have you had to put that more in the forefront? I would love to say that I am. Um, our website, to be totally honest, is a complete mess right now. So <laughs> it has a lot. I have all that stuff documented. And when candidates reach out to us, we send them a, you know, a PDF of, you know, here's our employer value proposition, all that stuff. So I have it all documented. It's not outwardly facing right now because our website needs a cleanup. It's well, I, I've part of being many, a startup, right? Hey, I mean, I, I, and I lived through many years of, of when you go to the, the IT team, if you will, and, and there's website updates that need to be made. The HR slash recruiting team was always at the bottom of that list for, for IT project prioritization, at least mm -hmm. in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're victims of our, of our own success. We're hiring so fast. I, and so I have roles open right now for uh, the, the marketing engineering, which are the people who keep the website up to date. All right. Well, maybe wow. one of those folks will hear this show. And, and, I hope and, so. And, I hope and so. Jump, and, and jump in. And, that's and, right. And, and, I have a hundred roles open right now. Please, please, please apply. Wow. That's pretty cool. We'll, we'll make sure we share the, the link to that page where those roles can be found and people can learn more about them at the end of the show. Jen, Jenny, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned diversity a couple of times. I'd love for you to share some thoughts on kind of the crisis that all organizations have gone through and are really still continuing to navigate with, with you know, ongoing issues uh, here in the U.S., return to work plans, starting, stopping, starting again, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'd love your thoughts on maybe the opportunity for HR leaders to use this crisis, if you will, as an opportunity to improve. Uh, specifically around diversity, inequity, and inclusion, which is, has been important for a long time, but may, maybe is even more important now. I wonder if you have any thoughts on uh, how to take advantage of the situation, in, if that yeah. makes sense. 
Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I, I don't know who said the quote, and I might get it wrong, but it was something like, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? So um, use social, uh, you know, the, the, the issues that are going on in society as a forcing function for driving change. So we stay true to the change that we want to see, and we seize these opportunities that happen in society in the world to make big jumps forward. It's a it's a perfect time uh, to be in HR. It's a great time to be in HR to be able to harness, you know, the issues that are going on in the world to drive more uh, equity and inclusion and belonging in our companies. Right. So we've got social unrest in the world. Let's let's uh, use this as an opportunity to demand that all companies publish externally their diversity and inclusion metrics. Right, your the breakdown of you know at a minimum. Let's start with race and gender um, by function by level. Right, so imagine a matrix, and a, the columns across the top are sales, services, engineering, GNA, and the rows horizontally are entry level, first level manager, second level manager, director, VP, executive, whatever, however you want to structure it. And, you know, every company should be, you know, standing up every publicly traded company, you know, and it would be great if, if everybody followed suit, but should be saying to the world, congratulations to us, 20% of our employees are diverse, but gosh, isn't it a shame that 100% of those diverse candidates are in the bottom tier of your company? Come on, guys, seriously, you know, you need to, you need to be a lot more transparent about um, what you were congratulating yourself on before, or, you know, congratulations to us, 40% of our employees are women, but if 100% of those women work in human resources, and there's zero in the in sales or in these other functions, come on, you know, you can be better than that. How do you figure out how to kind of the return to work, right, is, is, some companies, maybe it's really kind of a broader discussion of our, you know, and you, you talked about it earlier, Jenny, about the culture of the organization was it was a really an in-person kind of collaborative. We're all going to sit around the same table or or sit on a long table of people, right, and, and write code together all day long. But versus like, because uh, we see the hybrid, the remote work certainly, but maybe the ongoing hybrid strategies as an opportunity for companies to expand the net, right, and say, well, we we don't necessarily have to hire candidates who live thirty minutes from this office. It can yeah. open up more, and in yeah. theory, that can open up more opportunities to improve DEI, right? In the yeah, for sure, opportunities to improve DEI, but also just get uh, greater diversity. We have seen uh, time and time again, and the uh, the data shows up that um, the flexible work schedule um, is an absolutely critical need for women, yeah. uh, women of school age kids. Yeah. And that um, if we were to be more generous and accommodating to a flexible schedule, you would have a significant population of very motivated employees that would did not feel like they needed to drop out um, or take a completely different job and then come back in yeah. later, you know, after a 10 year gap when everybody else has gone way ahead um, because they didn't have those same at home demands. 
And if companies can say, my recruiting bubble is not just people who are willing to drive into Boston, but it's really, we're going to go find the best talent regardless of where they live. And if we can rely more on collaboration tools and technology um, and a more structured way of tracking and measuring goals and performance instead of I see you with my eyes, therefore I know your finger, your, your finger, I can see your fingers moving on the keyboard, therefore mm-hmm. I know you're working. If we right. can move our mentality from that, then we know, um, uh, you know, we don't just need to, to see you to know that you're working. So I think these, the, you know, the pandemic has also been a, a forcing function, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste um, to really, really challenge ourselves in terms of our uh, flexible working schedules. Yeah, I think you're right about that. The pandemic has sort of forced it on us, right? So we had no choice but to be flexible. Um, it was interesting. I was just watching on Netflix the other day. Um, there was like a special about Dolly Parton that, that recently came out. And one of the things, of course, it went over her role in the movie Nine to Five. And I haven't watched that in probably, I don't even know how many years, right? 30 years, 25 years, something like that. But it's interesting because you're sitting here and you're talking about all these examples of what we need to be doing, especially for women, in order to keep them engaged in the workplace. And we don't want to lose good workers. Like this, this problem goes back so far. Like that was a major part of that movie. I thought we probably need to go back and rewatch that. If you remember, it was like job sharing where they had like, oh, this woman comes in in the morning and does this right. And in the afternoon, it's this woman. And, and, but what does that say about us as a as a culture that we haven't fixed that since the eighties, when it was starting to be really, really talked about, it it almost makes me a little sad. So I'd be interested in your thoughts on like, do you really think like, I've, I feel sort of like the pandemic is going to be enough of a change factor to hopefully make this happen. Are you, do you feel that way or are you still skeptical? No, I, I I'm, I'm very optimistic that this moment in time, especially, you know, right now with, Delta variant, like, hey, we're getting ready to go back. Oh, (laughs) Oh, you know, you know, so we were like, it's going to be August, it's going to be September. And now we're saying January. So, you know, it's working, we're working from home, and it's okay. And we can now, uh, we we don't need to go back to how it was before. Um, We do need to say that um, leaders are responsible for you know, knowing what their folks are doing, setting clear goals and objectives, managing performance against those objectives. And one of your performance measures should be engagement, culture, connection, fun, friendships, all of that. And you used to just say, oh, no big deal. That stuff was going to happen automatically when everybody was in the office. And, you know, we'll have a beer bash on Fridays, you know, and it would just happen well now you need to be more purposeful about it as a leader you have to be deliberate you have to plan you have to think what can i do remotely that's fun what can i do remotely that creates connection and friendships what can i do remotely that's going to drive people to have a higher level of engagement it's harder it's much harder it makes the job of the leader so much harder i mean i had two uh exit interviews at my company in the last quarter um, that I conducted. And, and both of these folks said to me in the exit process, um, I'm going to, uh, you know, these were both high performers and, and very regrettable attrition. And they both said to me, I'm going to a company 
where I have friends and where I feel a connection. Now, I was hurt because I thought, well, I'm your friend, but (laughs) hold on a minute. They onboarded remotely. Our entire professional relationship has been over Zoom. I've never met this person in person. You know, they worked here for a year. They did great work, but something was missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was an emotional thing, right? Their career was progressing great. They were paid great. All of this great stuff, working for a great company, all of this wonderful thing. But it wasn't the engagement and the emotional connection that they needed. And I was like, oh my God, that is the, that is going to be the hardest part of managing remotely and leading remotely is that emotional engagement. Yeah, Jenny, that's such an interesting story because we've been obviously doing this show every week for what well, we've been doing the show every week for a decade plus, but obviously in the last 18 months, we've done so much you know, pandemic related content. And, and so we had seven conversations probably about remote hiring and remote onboarding, right? At least that's the first conversation that we've had on the show about, hey, what's happened with some of these folks, or at least a couple of examples you've given about right. folks who were hired completely remotely, probably it sounds like onboarded remotely and their whole relationship with the organization and their, and their colleagues and peers and probably their manager has been through screen like we're talking on now and, and what may be some of the negative uh, effects on that. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for what, 18 months now. So we've got enough time to start to see some trends. People come and go all remote, you know, and, and, uh, and so we're starting to now be able to measure, well, what is consistent about people that have come and gone when it's all been remote and why? And, and it's, it's been the softer part, the traditionally softer part of the role. It's not, it's not about, you know, did the company have a clear purpose? Yes. It was like, were they working on challenging work? Absolutely. Were they paid? Great. Yes. All the stuff. Did we have wonderful benefits? Yes, we did. Where did we fall short? It's creating a community. Uh, it's creating a sense of friendship and that's, it's challenging. I think it's not, it's not just my company. I think it's challenging for everybody. Jenny, let me uh, just take a quick pause. We must thank our show sponsor. Of course, our friends at Paychex. This episode of the HR Happy Hour is brought to you by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Paychex has released the 2021 Pulse of HR report, which sheds light on what businesses need to do right now to meet the new expectations of a workforce no longer satisfied by the status quo, as we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes or so. Uh, The fifth annual report provides an in-depth look at how HR professionals are contributing to the success of the companies they serve during this transformative time. To learn how your peers are navigating the start of a new workplace era, download the report at payx.me slash pulse21. And thank you always, always to our friends at Paychex. Jenny, you know, you mentioned uh, when you gave us kind of the overview of Clavio, we've, we've talked about all these difficulties, all, the, all the, the workplace disruptions and the challenges, the mental health crisis, et cetera, et cetera. But many companies, and it sounds like yours is one of them, has, has actually gr- is growing still despite all this. It, numbers, you know, numbers are up, funding rounds, et cetera, et cetera, growth in employees. And I guess my question is like, 
how do we balance that? How do we balance kind of like, hey, we're doing great with, oh my God, there's so much things going on in the world which are not so great. It, it almost, it's tough. Like I, when I, we've talked to so many tech companies on this show, HR tech companies, especially who've done really well. They've told us 2020 was our best year ever. And it's, it's weird to reconcile that, right? With, with all, the, all the challenges that have happened through, with, in society and organizations and for people, but yet some organizations are thriving. I don't know. Do you ever think about that? Like, like how, how are we still doing so well despite all this? Yeah, I mean, uh, for our individual company, we, we have a great product market fit for something that is needed right now and and moving forward and we yeah we are we are growing so when i started 13 months ago we had just over 300 employees and we have just under a thousand today um and you know we're uh doing our 2020 2022 planning and looking to double again to end the year at about 2000 um you know, it's a it's a significant strain on uh, on the people function, right? To to put all of the processes in in place uh, to be able to handle that growth. Um, and you know, there how are companies still growing and surviving? It it uh, it's about it being able to adjust to uh, the needs of the market uh, and being able to flex to um, you know, yeah, where things are growing right now. Yeah. So you're putting a lot of pressure, right? Not, I don't mean you personally, I, I'm not calling you out, but there is a lot of pressure on the HR and talent teams and the recruiting teams and that, in that type of environment, right. To support the growth, to find the talent. You mentioned it's a war for talent talent has the upper hand, et cetera, et cetera. You, uh, have you had to do anything, I don't know, just different or uh, special to just make sure your own team is hanging in there and doing okay and, and getting through because they have the, they have all the same problems at home that we all have with yeah. caregiving and disease and schools, maybe not being open and all the, all those things. Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so when I came, uh, you know, 13 months ago, I think there were 14 folks in the people operations function and I have about 85 now. So in that time I've, you know, built out my HRIS team and, you know, I don't even more than tripled my recruiting organization. I think my recruiting organization is like 40 people now and yeah, built out a benefits program and a comp program and a learning and development program and talent management and all of this stuff and a whole HRBP organization. So um, uh, thankfully we've got a great board of directors that understands that in hyper growth, which is anything that's more than a hundred percent during phases of hyper growth, your GNA function needs to be out ahead as a percentage of the total company out ahead of the total organization uh, to be able to lay the tracks and, and that groundwork to be able to absorb the growth in the organization. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, my people function is probably 8% right now of the total employee population. Mm-hmm. Um where if you were a large, super stable organization that had a minimal turnover and 
you know, all of the processes and programs were already built and you were just maintaining and sort of monitoring the dials, you know, you might have an HR organization of 2% or 1%, right? For a big, big- Yeah, one per 100, right? That's the number they always used to keep it, right? Right, and that, but that, that assumes- uh, you know, minimal growth and and a lot of stability in your business model and things like that. But given that we are, you know, Clavio right now is, you know, we're talking about new geographies, new products, up market, down market, blah, 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 verticals, blah, 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 you know, all of this really, really, really exciting stuff. And in order to do that, um, you know, you need to have a, a pretty significant HR organization um, that can you know, uh, accommodate what the business needs moving forward. Jenny, awesome. This has been a really fascinating conversation. Uh, It's great to hear from like a chief people officer kind of leading through everything that's gone on in the last 18 months or so, especially as a new one in in your organization, you're you're new to your organization specifically, uh, and and just sharing uh, really some interesting insights and stories about how you guys are doing and what you're doing and what organizations should be doing. I have one last question though, before, if you'll indulge me before we let you go, uh, Jenny, do you miss HR tech? Do you miss it? You were there for a long time. Were you done with this? I'm never going back to HR tech. No, I do miss it. I love, I love HR technology. Um, you know, it, it is so important to uh, be that technology foundation for any organization. There's only, there's only so much work that humans can do before humans go crazy, right? I mean, as, as humans need to understand, uh, I think this is the challenge for HR leaders moving forward is understanding for all of the work that needs to get done, what what can and should be done by humans and what can and should be done by technology. And that really is um, the, the, one of the key problems or, or uh, uh, challenges that HR leaders need to address moving forward. Um, you can't just throw people at the problem over and over and over, especially as you scale. You need to really look at the outcomes you're trying to achieve and say, where do we need critical thinking, creativity, innovation, problem solving, empathy, you know, cross-cultural awareness? That is work for humans. Mm-hmm. And what is something that a problem that is going to be reoccurring? You know, I keep telling people, if you've seen a problem more than twice, automate it. Right. If the same problem comes up over and over, figure out a way to automate that away to create space in your life, in your day, in your calendar to do the work that only humans can do, to do the work that that requires a high touch, very empathetic human to interact with an employee to do that stuff and automate away anything that happens over and over and over. You should never have humans doing that stuff. So you have to have HR tech as a foundation for any great uh, people strategy. All right. Love it. Thank you, Jenny. I, I had to throw it out there just because of my connection to HR tech, Trisha's as well. And since we talk about that so much on the show, well, this has been super fun. Thanks again, uh, Jenny, for taking some time uh, and spending, spending some time with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks. Awesome. Trish, great stuff. We will make sure we get uh, the link out to the Clavio opportunities. Help Jenny out. She's got higher hundreds and hundreds of people, it sounds like. Maybe thousands. Sounds like it. We'll have to try to help her out with that. So awesome. Trish, good stuff. No, great show. Thank you, Jenny, for coming on. I feel like I learned so much just in this conversation and uh, I look forward to just following you in the future. So hopefully all of our listeners will as well.
All right, great stuff. Thanks to our friends at Paychex, of course. Uh, check them out at paychex.com. Check out all the show archives at hrhappyhour.net. For our guest, Jenny Dearborn, for Trish McFarland, my name is Steve Bowes. We will see you next time on the HR Happy Hour Show.